Peace, and welcome to the Tailored Healing Collective Podcast. This is a space for, but never limited to, people of color. We're discussing sacred plant medicine, pregnancy, parenthood, and more. You know, there's such a stigma on who can open the floor for conversation on these topics that are viewed as taboo or even inappropriate. This fact alone has made so many become fearful of the very thing that could help us rebuild families, create our own businesses, and most importantly, trust our role in this world as future ancestors. So wherever you are, take a cleansing breath and do your best to listen with an open mind, heart, and spirit, and let love lead the way. I'm your host, Taylor. Hello, hello. You are tuning in. Thank you for coming to listen to the Tailored Healing Collective podcast today. I am in a very high but calm energy today as I am officially 39 weeks pregnant with my second child. I discussed a little bit on the first episode about my own personal journey with plant medicine, pregnancy, and how everything's been affecting me. Today I wanted to talk about what fear is and how it shows up in both childbirth and plant medicine. So I'll give you all a little rundown. My first experiences with plant medicine, I think we should start off with cannabis. Cannabis is, for most people, a starter plant medicine that they work with. It's one of those beginner entrances you kind of take into that world, especially if you happen to proceed a little bit farther than that on your journey. And I don't think I really knew what to expect the first time. I was with my friends. This was post high school graduation. Uh, We were in the back of a car with a random friend and his older brother and did not know what we were doing at all. We were just, I guess, exploring, having a good time. But I will say there was a certain level of fear that came with it. But I think when you're younger, you know, that fear and excitement is a little bit of a buildup. It's like, oh, I want to see what this is going to be like, but I'm scared. What will my parents think? You know, what will the people around me think? Am I going to get so stoned that, you know, I end up like one of those commercials where... (laughs) where your uh, brain is cracked open like an egg, like this is your brain on drugs. And that initial buildup in your head of all these things that you think are going to happen, a good majority of them don't, as we all know. Everybody experiences it a little bit different, I believe, but it's never quite as bad or dramatic as you think it is. Half the time, the things we work up in our head are like a TV show. They're very dramatized. It's not real. Um, you really just kind of either enjoy yourself or you're kind of having this out-of-body experience, I'll say. So my first time, I obviously did not hit the blunt right because I remember, you know, taking a hit, holding it in my mouth and letting it right back out. But we were also in a car and we were hotboxing. So, you know, something got to my head eventually. Um, my best friend, which I know she'll be listening to this, she was actually the one who got the most elevated out of all three of us um, who were trying for the first time in the car. And I remember going into Walmart afterwards and her eyes were bloodshot red. And I'm like, wow, I want to be where she's at. But that fear, I think, that I had about what I would experience, it never manifested. It was like... 
of course, I'm afraid of what my parents were thinking at the time and coming back in the house smelling like cannabis and you're like, oh God, what are they going to say? They're going to ground me for life and, you know, all of these things. But of course, none of that happened. Now, let me tie in my first experiences in childbirth. I planned for a natural birth. I was excited. You know, I was someone who supported a more natural lifestyle, um, one that I was hoping would not involve the use of an epidural, Pitocin, you know, any of the things that they give you in the hospital. And there was a situation that has kind of been a battle for me to talk about, but I have talked about publicly before where I had a doula and this was in 2020. So quarantine had just happened for most of us. We were, well, not most of us, all of us. And we were in the house a lot. So I ended up getting a doula um, who I was working with virtually. Me and my partner were not in our home. We had gone and traveled up to where my family lives for a baby shower. And this, this was the same weekend that, um, COVID was announced. So we were working with this doula and I just, I didn't do my research. I kind of had like an idea of what a doula was supposed to be, but what happened was not what was supposed to happen. I'm sure everyone wants a little bit more detail than that. And I've posted it in a few other stories, but today what I want to focus on is the idea of fear. So to make a long story short, this was Mother's Day 2020, I was under the impression that I was possibly going into labor. And me and my partner and a couple members of my family went over to the doula's house who had agreed to allow us to free birth in her home. Um, and it was an apartment complex. It was not a house. And that's important to the story because it was one of the many factors that kind of ended up affecting like my mindset um, and where I was with the situation. So to proceed with that, I wanted my baby out at the time and I was doing any and everything I could to make him come out, but that's not how it works. You know, when we want something in life, whenever we want to move forward with something that we want, you cannot rush the process. So because I rushed it so much, we got to a point where this particular doula, and I'm not naming names for a reason, I'm not naming services or names. This is just about the story. Um, we had gotten so far into this process that at one point she told my partner and I that she was guesstimating that I was about six to seven centimeters dilated by the sound of my moans. That didn't happen, you guys. I was not dilated at all. Um, and leaving her house, we went back home and my family, who did not really agree with a natural birth in the first place, kind of started with the fear mongering and not on purpose because I know they care about me, but it's kind of, you know, the tendency, especially when you're not used to something like natural birth. And it started off with my mom kind of freaking out. Then my aunt was freaking out. Then we called a friend of mine whose mother was an OBGYN. And she was freaking out, mostly just because of, you know, the misinformation from the doula, the harm and danger could have put my baby in, fully understood, fully aware. So we go into the hospital and they tell me, you're not dilated at all. 
Imagine me and my partner looking at each other and we're told by someone, and this is, you know, us being naive to the situation, but telling us that we're not even dilated. And she told us about six or seven centimeters. Obviously, now that I have a much better understanding of what labor can look like, even though I have not gone into my second labor myself, that that's absolutely not true. If I was six or seven centimeters, there would have been a lot more going on at the time. Um, so the situation escalated into, well, you're here. So do you just want to get induced since you're already at 40 weeks? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I just felt like at the time with everyone so worried and telling me, oh, the baby might be hurt or his heart rate may be decreasing or any of all these things that probably weren't even going on at the time, I kind of fed into it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, we're not at home and I need to see a doctor now. And, you know, I, I took that fear and it washed over my entire body because I could see the look and the sounds in my mom's face and my other family member's face. My partner didn't know what to do. And fear just really took over. Fear and how it shows up. So it can show up in a few ways. It can show up in preconceived notions. It can show up in the experiences of others. And it manifests into our reality. My mom, when she had me, she had a C-section. I was, from what she told me, about two weeks late. So I'm sure a lot of women, when they perceive when babies are late, that there's something wrong. Not that these babies are taking their time, but that there's something wrong. And a lot of these doctors tell us the same. You know, if you go over a certain amount of weeks, then it might be safe to get an induction because something's wrong. And while an induction may be necessary for some people, I don't believe that it is necessary for all. I mean, here I am at 39 weeks officially. I'm measuring at 40. And... I'm still very calm. I feel no need to rush to a doctor. I feel like my baby is taking her time the same way that her brother did, um, the same way that I should have been patient. As anxious as I am, a baby is coming out at some point. You know, she's not going to be stuck there forever. She's still moving. She's still active. Um, but the initial fear I had the first time in my pregnancy was that something was wrong. Not that my baby was safe or calm, but this fear that I manifested in my head, the fear of hearing my mom's situation, hearing other women around me and the things that had happened to them, it was scary for me because I was like, oh God, what if that happens to me? What if that's my situation? And it wasn't. So I was letting somebody else's fear take over. I was letting somebody else's situation take over. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really tragic <laughs> in the ways that I let it happen, but I had to learn. So let's go back to plant medicine. We don't even have to go necessarily into cannabis. I'll just speak generally about taking plant medicine journeys. So the people I have talked to who have not yet experienced plant medicine, it's interesting for me to hear where their fear lies about it. Not because I'm judging at all, because I was once that person who was very uninformed, uneducated, um, inexperienced on the things that were going on within my body and within my mind. But I just really wanted to know, like, where does this happen? Where does this fear originate? You know, how does it occur? 
And a lot of the answers are similar. Um, I've heard, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen to my mind. And, you know, I don't know if I should be around people because it may not be safe. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, what do you think? Like, who put these ideas in your head? Who told you something bad was going to happen? Well, you think you'd really hurt someone? Is it in your nature to hurt someone now? So why do you think that this thing, you know, this plant, this natural resource or this fungi, why would it allow you to change into a completely different person? I mean, we know alcohol does that. We know that certain opioids can do that. But cannabis, mushrooms, I've never had that experience. But then again, they don't know. So any preconceived notion that they may have gotten from somebody else or from someone else's experience, say someone who's maybe had a bad trip, um, probably got in their head somewhere. Or it's just, you know, the fear of the unknown. And I think that's the most popular answer I've ever heard. It's the fear of the unknown. I usually listen to those stories and I used to let them scare me a lot because, you know, I thought that other people's situations were my own. I have the tendency to internalize other people's emotions at times and not differentiate my own. And hearing other people's situations, I'm like, wow, like they must be going through something pretty dark, you know, for it to take over. And so I had that initial fear. I talked a little bit on my Instagram about um, my first full macro dosing journey as a pregnant woman. And initially, before I started, I had all these fears. I'm pregnant. I have a soul growing inside of me. What if I hurt her? You know, what if her brain stops developing or something, some neural pathway is thrown off because I'm ingesting, you know, something that I don't normally ingest? You know, what if, what if, what if, what if? All these are hypothetical. And I've been so vocal on social media lately talking about my relationship with plant medicine that I know a lot of people have questions. I think almost sometimes some people are watching me, you know, they want to see my baby being born because they want to see like, okay, does this really work? And honestly, you can't always look at everybody's situation and say, oh, it worked for her. So it might work for me because what I experience may not be what you experience. But I will tell you, fear has played a lot in my life where I have two choices. I can allow it to take over my own situation or I can release it and realize that fear isn't mine. It doesn't exist. It's something that I've created in my mind kind of as a safety bubble. Fear only, I think it can make us feel safe sometimes, you know, being fearful is like a shield. It's like, okay, it's that fight or flight. If I have this fear, this wall up, then I already have an idea of what's going to happen to me. I talked with my best friend this morning um, because I asked her, I was present for the birth of her first child, and I asked her at what point she felt like she needed an epidural. I asked her, were you in like a serious amount of pain where you're like, okay, I need this right now? And she said, no, it was her preparing in her mind for something bad to happen. And I think that's what happens with a lot of us. We think that plant medicine or birth, you know, whether you're a birthing person or not, we can just bring plant medicine to it as well. We have this fear that something awful is going to happen to us. Not that we're going to become more of ourselves, but that in some way we will become less of ourselves. And a lot of people are afraid to lose themselves. But, and this is probably going to sound real cliche and hippie, um, and losing yourself, you find yourself because you realize 
nothing was ever lost in the first place. Everything that occurs in your brain when it's activated to this level is already in your head, whether it's a preconceived notion, like I mentioned earlier, or it's something you just created yourself. You know, nobody is putting this in your head. And I know there's a lot of philosophers out here who will speak about, you know, subconscious thoughts and patterns, but we were spirits long before we came onto this planet. We, <laughs> we were matter, we were spirits, we were ancestors, we were gods, we were all of these things. But, you know, time has evolved and we've changed and we're not necessarily the same right now. You know, when you forget who you are, it's very easy to let another entity, another body, um, another feeling take over ultimately. And in that, you hold on to that fear very tightly because that fear is like your safety net because you think you know what's going to happen, but you never really do. So next, I kind of want to discuss the, the process of death and rebirth and how it is constantly happening in our lives. So we go through big and pivotal moments in our lives because the choices we make can form our experiences through emotions. You learn things happen for a reason. Everybody's experience is different. When you have, let's say, not even just the birth of your child, maybe it's a graduation from high school, or maybe it is getting married to someone. You see everybody else's experiences, and they build up, build up, build up. You think this is what marriage looks like. You think this is what life is going to look like after you turn 18 and you're no longer under the official care of your parents, but you never quite know what it looks like because everybody is different. You can't look at everybody else and say, I'm going to have exactly what they have in the same way they have it. I haven't even given birth to my child yet, and I know my experience will look like no one else's. No matter how hard I look, I might find something similar, someone I can relate to, but no one's experience will be my own. Only I can tell you every emotion that I felt every fear that I had, every hesitation, every resistance, like everything that I felt is specific to me and my experiences. So with death and rebirth, you have to allow things to die for something to come. So letting fear die in these situations, if you hold on to the fear, it is very possible that the worst thing you imagine will actually come to life. But that's because you truly believed that that was going to happen. If you release fear, this thing that seems to have a hold on you, but you realize you're the one holding it. If you release that, who knows what you'll rebirth? You know, we, we all know the story of the cocoon, you know, and the butterfly emerging. But while we're focused on the pretty butterfly, we forget about what's going on inside of this cocoon what darkness you're experiencing, what doubts and fears, the process of shedding and growing in order to become this new person. I've experienced this many times on plant medicine where I think I've learned it all and then I realize I've learned nothing at all, but I've learned everything. And it's a constant process. It never stops. And it doesn't just stop after you consume the medicine, just like it won't stop after birth. That's why I think even people who have more than one child, every experience they have with plant medicine is very unique to the situation at the time, but it is never quite the same. Even women who have similar babies or around the same time. 
So looking at these both, death and rebirth, fear and trust, all of these things, they, they come together to teach us the cycle of life. You have to let things go in order for new things to come. You have to set intentions to let these things go. They don't just happen and go away. You don't just magically turn into the person that you want to be. You know, you don't just become instant billionaire overnight or a mother, anything like that. These things are a process of development, letting go of resistance, letting go of fear. And even if you don't let it go, somehow the universe is going to let it go for you. Sometimes in ways you won't like, sometimes in ways that you will. It really just depends on you. So when I say setting intentions, you know, this can be an, an intention process going on for months. It can happen the day before. It can happen the day of. Whenever your mind decides to say, I'm going to let this go, I'm going to trust myself, it's going to kick in. But any little sliver of doubt or fear is probably going to make that turn down. You won't hear it as much. And the more you turn down your own voice, you're amplifying everybody else's. You're listening to, oh, what if this happens? Or, oh, you know, she should have done this. She should have done that. You don't think that's happened to me? I am not perfect. I consume mushrooms during this pregnancy. And while logically in my brain, I know I have pictures on my wall in my home. Like, I know that this has been done for practices for years to help people not only in pregnancy, but outside of pregnancy. But then modern society kicks in. So the little voice in my head that knows these logical things turns down. The media, you know, certified doctors, that goes up. And then I hear risk. I hear failure. I hear hospital induction. Same way with plant medicine. You know, I hear, Taylor, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are? Why would this help you? You see the difference between the two voices, the words, the feeling, the emotion? One is giving you that freedom. One is allowing. One is giving you all the love and the energy that you need within yourself. And the other one shuts it completely down. Set those intentions so that nothing can come into your bubble and nothing can come into your circle. I will say personally, in both ways, I have struggled myself throughout my first pregnancy and throughout this one. I know there's going to be tons of people when they find this podcast who do not agree with me, who will tell me that I've affected my baby in some way, that will tell me, I can't believe you did that. What if, what if, what if? In order to do this podcast, I had to turn that off. In order to share my story on a couple other podcasts, I had to turn that off. In order to get in front of a camera and be vulnerable with the entire world, whoever may be watching, I had to turn that off. And it's a constant process. The same with death and rebirth. What's going on inside of that dark cocoon is me releasing those things, leaving it in the darkness. Because, you know, darkness and light both have their places in the world. One can't exist without the other. You need both. You need to have the darkness to understand the light the same way you need to have the light to go back to the darkness. We need our times of retreat and introspection and sometimes even listening to the bad voices so we know and can differentiate what the good ones sound like. You know, what has been revealed before will be revealed again until we learn the lesson. 
it's going to happen time and time again throughout your life. There's not just one big moment where you learn, I have fear, and then it goes away. You never stop really having that. Now, I will say plant medicine and even having a child, even though I had my child via cesarean, um, that was one of the worst things I imagined could happen. I didn't get to hold him when he came out. I saw him for half a second with a mask over my face, breathing in oxygen in a room full of strangers with bright light shining down on me, cut open. You know, my partner's gone. Later on, they told me he wasn't breathing the first minute of his life. And that was, in my mind, the worst thing that could have happened. I have a thriving two-year-old now who is so strong, so personable, so loving. And I think back to that moment and say, why did I let the fear kick in? Why did I let someone take my decisions away from me? Why did I allow these things to occur? But I had to. I couldn't talk to you all the way I am right now if those things hadn't happened. I couldn't feel comfortable birthing my second child my way if that had not happened. That was my darkness. That was my cocoon moment. Again, I have not yet had my child. I am sitting here literally waiting for her to come at any moment now. But the fear has subsided. I'm anticipating the future now. I see a beautiful birth happening my way. No one has made my decisions for me. I have taken full control, not over my body, but just also with my mind, you know? You know how powerful it feels when you take control of your mind back? When you see, okay, all these veils are around. Well, let me open up some windows. Let me see what's really outside. They told me this is outside, but let me really go outside and look and see what the world has to offer me and what I can do with it, not what someone else can do. Someone else's story is fine. I love hearing about people's success in the way they did it. But one thing I've come to realize, it doesn't matter how many ebooks, how many tutorials, you know, how many times you sit around the campfire and share your favorite songs. Um, your experience is going to be your experience at the end of the day. Now, we could go into numbers. We could go into statistics. We could bring in every leading expert on the topics of entheogens, mycology, cannabis, plant medicine. But that's not experience. Those are just logical facts. Facts that are just rooted in someone else's research. This is not a space for me to promote, to sell, to misinform anyone. This is just me sharing experience, so I hope that's taken very seriously. I, I resisted talking about a lot of this mostly because I thought that I would not sound smart enough or be taken seriously enough. I didn't trust my level of intelligence and my level of intelligence again is specific to me and my experiences and the way that I feel and what has happened to me evidence-based wise. But I'm not one of a million, you know, in a certified study by the national board of whoever. I'm just me. So I know that I will have people asking me, you know, how much did you consume? What was safe for you? I can't speak for you, unfortunately. I can only speak for myself. I can only speak for my own experiences. Let's talk about breath. How important our breath is and how when we follow it, we listen to it. We build up the emotions surrounding it. Our breath can activate altered states of consciousness. 
one of the breathing exercises me and my doula have been discussing lately is the square. I don't know if that's like the correct name for it, but you basically are breathing in the shape of a square. You're inhaling up, counting to four, breathing out four, and you repeat the process over and over. I'm probably not explaining that perfectly, but if you look it up, you'll understand. In doing this exercise, the main thing on my mind, or not even in my mind, but in my body that I felt was resistance. I wasn't allowing myself to breathe because the first thing I thought was, what if I can't hold my breath for that long? And then when I let that go, it just happened naturally. And then after that, I no longer had to count as hard. Like, okay, one, two, three, four, count like this, breathe like this. It was natural. And that's kind of what I am hoping for. Not kind of, it is. What I'm hoping for in childbirth, what I'm manifesting during that time is not to count a bunch of numbers or do somebody else's visual exercises, but to release the resistance of thinking I have to do things in other people's way. That helps me release fear. Because if I'm thinking, oh, I'm not doing this right, such and such did it this way, and she said do it that way, and he said do it this way, and it worked for them, and it looked great for them, I'm not focusing on the main person in the room, which is me. Everybody's favorite phrase this year, I'm laughing because it's so true, is be the main character of your own life. How are you going to be the main character if you're focused on all the side characters? And that includes everyone. That includes doctors. That includes OBs, doulas, your mom, your grandma, your brother, your dad. They're the side characters in these situations. When you're using plant medicine, you may have a trip partner or someone watching over you in ceremony or a shaman or whoever that may be, but you are still the main character in this. You are the one that has to do the releasing. You are the one who has to do the growing. You are the one who has to do the learning after. No one can do that work for you. They can hold your hand. They can <laughs> brush your hair, give you all sorts of comfort measures, but you are the only one who can control these things at the end of the day. I realize I got a little bit off topic when it came to the breath work, so let's bring that in again. Not just me focusing on this specific kind of breath, but connecting to your breath because breath is life. Life is that reminder. Every breath that we take is part of this evolving consciousness we have. We breathe in, we breathe out. We have the oxygen, the grass, the trees, whatever it is that's surrounding us, entering our body that has that connectedness feeling. When we don't feel connected, our breathing gets rapid and anxious, and we're not really paying attention to the important thing in the room. We're like, what if, what if, what if? And I'm going to keep saying that because that what if is the very thing that held me back the first time. What if, what if, what if? could say the same thing. What if my daughter comes right this second as I'm recording the podcast? What if she comes a week and a half from now? What if I had to go to the hospital? I'm not thinking like that. I can't think like that. And that's not something that's perfected overnight. This is something I'm still working at every second of the day. And you have to. It's a muscle. It's muscle memory. Releasing that fear. Remembering who you are. Remembering that this is my story and I'm going to tell it the way that I want to. The breath is life. It is connection to the world. It is connection to self. It is the thing that fuels us, the thing that motivates us, the thing that keeps us alive. And that's for a reason. When we stop breathing or our breathing changes in some way that's not natural to us, 
the effects hop in almost immediately. I believe they could also hop in just as quickly if we let it go. And I don't mean stop breathing, I mean like letting go the actual feeling. The buildup of fear is usually worse than what actually happens. And I said that earlier, but I'm just going to repeat it a few times for good measure. The buildup of fear is usually worse than what actually happens. The buildup of fear is usually worse than what actually happens. Last time, the buildup of fear is usually worse than what actually happens. So let's talk about what I'm looking forward to for future plant medicine journeys and childbirth. I am most looking forward to implementing the lessons we learn in everyday life when we're forced to part with the old versions of ourselves and previous decisions we made. When I took that mushroom trip, I was forced to release the version of myself that thought something bad was going to happen. The part of me that would have never done that died because she automatically shifted into another reality, the reality where she became an advocate for plant medicine, for mothers, for mothers who look like her, for mothers who don't look like her, for people who are seeking medicine, who are seeking healing, who are seeking wisdom and growth. In birth, when I give birth to this baby, I'm going to have to part ways with the version of myself that gave into the doctors and the hospital and my mother and my aunt and my doula and the OBGYN and my fear, my fear of the unknown. She has to die in order for the new version of myself who is going to be a mother of two, for her to thrive and move on. They can't walk the path at the same time. I have to leave one behind. And it's the same for anyone, whether you're on a plant medicine journey, whether you're pregnant and having a baby, whether you're just entering a new phase of your life, you have to part ways with that old version of yourself. You can't take him, her, them, they along with you. They have to remain separate. They're separate for a reason. There's no staying in one place without the growth, without the learning. You don't leave the lessons behind. The lessons will always come with you. And you're going to have to keep redoing it over and over and over again. But that's the beautiful death rebirth process I've been talking about. Letting go in order to let the new in. And it's such a cliche, but we fight the past so hard. And it's not even the past that's trying to stay with us. We're trying to keep the past with us. Trust me, I'm, I'm nostalgic. I'm nostalgic as I don't know what. Um, I love thinking of memories, but my thing is the memories have to stay where they are. I cannot always bring them with me. I can look at a photo book. I can listen to an old version of myself, but she cannot exist in the same realm as I do now. She can't. The same way, you know, like when you're accessing your inner child, your inner teenager, that baby, that kid, you know, that little person, they're still there but they have to live in you through the future version of yourself. You have to remember who you were before in order to live in who you are now. And it doesn't mean that they cannot coexist. They just can't co coexist on the same timeline. Um, 
I can be the the funny, outgoing version of myself who was not scared to speak in front of people, you know, not afraid to notoriously make my own decisions loud and proud. You know, I can take that version, but she has to exist in this adult body. She has to make decisions. She has to build her platform, her life, you know, or just live simply as a spirit. And that's part of my lesson. That's part of my journey. And I believe that applies to many people. That may be part of your journey to move forward, to move on, to take this version of yourself and spread the best parts of them around. Keep that for yourself, but then leave the hurt and the pain behind. Acknowledge it. Access it for learning when you need to, but still leave it in the books where it belongs. It doesn't belong here with you anymore. As far as childbirth, I am also, I'm, I'm so looking forward to holding my baby. I did not get to hold my son when he was born until the night not even the night that I met him, the next day, imagine carrying a human in your body for 10 years and all you get to do is look at them for two seconds. That was hard. I am looking forward to holding this person who I've been connecting with on a mental and intuitive level. I look forward to seeing the look on my husband's face and my son's face. I look forward to being in the place that I want to be giving birth, to feel every emotion that I want to feel, to get all these things and take all these things back that I released to someone else or something else the first time. So this episode is not to, again, persuade, sell, or promote anything, no legal substances, nothing, just to share my personal experience. And one thing I do want to leave everybody with today is to think about the things you fear, maybe even make a list of the things you fear. And then after you make a list, write on the side the reasons that you fear them. Do the reasons outweigh the actual thing? Would they stop you from doing them or moving forward? Or are you just scared? And also, why? Why are you scared of these things? Did someone else have an experience like this? Do you fear that the worst thing possible is going to happen? And if so, what if it doesn't? What if the best thing happens? What if the most wonderful thing happens? What if you have one of the best memories in your life because you chose to release fear? I want to thank you all so much for listening today. I'm excited that I could actually record this episode before I go into labor. I've kind of been putting it off because I've been so exhausted and just honoring my body and my space for the past couple of weeks now. But I think it's important, and I am going to follow up with a part two after I have her. I don't know if it'll be the next episode, might be the one after that. But it was important for me to express this today because I'm so close to going into labor and birthing my child. And I think that, again, this can apply to mothers. This can apply to birthing people. This can apply to someone who's afraid to try plant medicine. And I'm not encouraging you to. I'm just saying, if you were ever on that path, you know, this could help you. The fear has to also exist in order for us to release or else we'd be releasing nothing. So let fear be a good thing. Let it work in your favor. But also remember the same way with the old version, you have to leave it behind. It can't come with you. It's not real. It is something you've most likely created in your head. And when you see that, you become more in control, you become more in power, and you start owning that. So, 
This is the Tailored Healing Collective podcast. Today I am going to leave you with a song from an EP of affirmations that I recorded last year, Cosmic Affirmations Healing and Sounds. It is available on Spotify and Apple Music and several other platforms. I will link in the story and I hope you enjoy it. It's called Abundance. So again, this is the Taylor Healing Podcast Collective, and I will talk to you all soon. Peace. is enjoyable.